What is cracking? Thank you so much for listening to the show. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. It really would mean the world to me. It makes a massive, massive difference. It really does. So I appreciate that well, well in advance. Um, this podcast, of course, is always brought to you by Bar Nana. It's a company that I co-founded with my two business partners in 2013. And we make the most tasty and organic snacks that you can put inside your mouth. You can pick them up at places like Whole Foods. You can also get them at BarNana.com using code NIK to get 20% off your very first order. On this episode, we have Shayna Zadie. She is the founder of Tumi, which is the most delicious turmeric-infused water you can put inside of your body to keep it hydrated and absent of inflammation. It uh, basically is a drink that says, hold my beer, Gatorade. And with that, please welcome Shayna Zadie. Welcome to the Nick What's up, Shayna? How are we today? I'm great, Nick. I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. Likewise. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show and uh, talking shit with me. It'll be fun. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to start by asking you a couple of things about turmeric. So turmeric is a substance that I've used for quite a long time, especially for inflammation. If I get injured or something like that, I take it in the pill form or even topicals um, and certainly in beverages and everything else. Um, what are sort of like the actual healing properties of turmeric. It's something that's been used for a long time in other parts of the world. Um, but I'm curious to hear from you being the expert on the subject, sort of like, what's the deal? Yeah. I mean, it's been used for thousands of years, as you said, mostly in Southeast Asia, Asian countries, um, where it grows rapidly. And basically the, the biggest thing about it is that it's an anti-inflammatory. So, you know, it's been used for soreness, swelling, headaches, Basically, all the inflammation in your body, it helps to um, eradicate it, minimize it, attack it at the cellular level. It really acts as like food medicine that, that is just food. So Right. And it's, um, it's interesting because turmeric, like, it's been around for so long, but then all of a sudden it's like this super brand new thing, right? And you're like, buy an Erewhon for a billion dollars a pint or whatever. And yep. um, yeah, it's fascinating. I feel like uh, th there's a lot of things that, that we used to use as, uh, as the human race back in the day that just kind of got lost somehow yeah. or maybe isolated to a certain part of, of the world. What parts of the world would you say were sort of the highest consumers of, of turmeric traditionally? Um, I would say in, um, in India. India is probably the highest consumer. It's used in all different types of, of culinary dishes. It's used in vegetable dishes, chicken curry, you know, all of those masala has turmeric in it, um, uh. used in initially for the color, for the flavor, um, also for the medicinal properties, because most of their food really has Ayurvedic medicine built into the ingredients. Ayurvedic yeah. medicine, did I say that right? Yeah. Ayurvedic. Yeah. I'm gonna pull that word out. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah definitely stealing go. that. And also Absolutely, <laughs> probably using that, it. That includes <laughs> ashwagandha. That includes cumin. That includes all all of those spices and herbs that are really really good for you. So interesting. Were there like certain um, subcultures or uh, you know certain sects of of religions that used that general type of healing more than others? I mean, I believe so. I'm not. That's where I'm not total expert. Yeah. Um, my my dad is originally from Pakistan. 
His parents were born in India, so they grew up on turmeric. They grew up on herb, herbal remedies. They grew up on Ayurvedic medicine. They had, you know, Tulsi tea, chai tea every day. So they, for them, it was part of their culture. Um, I don't know how it plays a role in religion, actually, because when brides were to get married, um, they would have like a whole ritual where they would there would be a turmeric paste that would be applied to their body. And that would to bring out the glow of the skin uh, in preparation for their big day. Whoa. So yeah, so it it is used like all in all aspects, um, and even in art. Uh, so again, because it has that color, natural dye that that brings out that yellow color. So definitely, they're more into it. Thankfully, it has been passed down to me, where it's just something that I grew up on without even knowing. I had a bruise. I had. Um, a sore throat, any kind of problem, it was literally go see grandma and she'll make something for you. And it usually had turmeric in it. And then later on, I was like, what, what was that magic that, <laughs> that I was consuming when I was little? How do I get it more in my diet now? So Wow, that's fascinating. So your grandma would, would cook it up as like sort of a, a cure-all. Yeah, she, would, she would make, she'd have these leaves, like banana leaves and all types of leaves. And she'd put all sorts of ingredients in there some paste some dry herbs uh and we'd either eat that or she'd crush them up and she'd make it into a paste that we'd apply topically or she'd cook with it and we'd have it in a dish so definitely wow yeah i feel like the the food and food as medicine trend Mm -hmm. is is fascinating because it was like you know back in the day in, in various different cultures around the world that was sort of the thing right like it was obviously they had a bunch of other weird practices that were just like didn't <laughs> right, work you right, know? Like right. bleeding you of your sickness <laughs> and things but um but some of that food is medicine stuff has, has been around for so long and um it's it's only now that that food companies and, and young startups like the one that you have are actually doing something that is is bringing it back full circle right i mean I don't know why we strayed away from it. I mean, obviously, I feel like we're a little too young that we weren't in charge of of that movement. Um, but it, people then t- definitely turn to more artificial, more processed foods. I think more, probably from a convenience standpoint is why, and a taste, I guess, taste standpoint, and our our obsession with sugar um, kind of created this movement, you know, of sodas and junk food and fast food that we have mostly in the US, you know, obviously in other parts of the world, they're still eating off the land. They're still eating their own farmed food. Um, so I'm happy to see that it's a change again. It's good for us, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's interesting too. Cause like certain parts of the world are, are even worse than the US, like, like Mexico. Right. Yep. I mean, I think, um, you know, it's primarily because of soda consumption mm-hmm. and depending on sort of what culture your, your background is, is from the, the diets were so different way back in the day. Right. Like, you know, if you think about sort of the, the Scandinavian environment where, where my bloodline is from, you know, everybody is just basically surviving on fish and, like yeah. seals or whatever right <laughs> wasn't even like you couldn't really grow much in in the ice and true, snow true. and then you go to somewhere like thailand mm-hmm. and it's f- purely fruits uh more or less like super you know uh, plant-based diets right. um and and everywhere in between right. um what other sorts of so so turmeric's an interesting thing because it's this root right Correct. and yeah. it's it's like this yellowish orange um sort of really dark like it's it's a like it'll stain your your fingers if you get i actually cracked open one of the pills on accident (laughs) my entire hands were just like bright orange for two days exactly um what's sort of in the same 
family is turmeric. Um, so you have like ginger. Is ginseng sort of in the same kind of thing? Or? Um, as far as being a root or a rhizome, I mean, in that way, they're all kind of related. Um, we, we think of ginger as, as turmeric's cousin. Um, turmeric being the super root and ginger bean also having its great properties and its benefits. And so basically most of those rhizomes, especially where they originated from or where they grow rapidly in tropical environments, those ones tend to have similar properties, antioxidant being the number one um, commonality between them. And then also just um, just how you can consume them. You know, you can have them raw as the root. You can you know, they're heat tolerant, so you can boil them and make them into a tea. You can use them in cooking and you still maintain all the properties of them. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And, and so what, what is the functional difference between curcumin and turmeric? Well, cur- curcumin is found in turmeric. So I like to think of it when I speak and speak just generally, it's like the potassium in bananas. So uh. it's like the main powerful, you know, ingredient and curcuminoids, there's three types of them that grow are are the properties of it in turmeric and they all have a little bit of a different function a little different chemical makeup so that's fascinating yeah yeah it's like uh, i've had quite a few sports injuries as mm-hmm. you're well aware so yeah. or motorcycle injuries for that matter <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, i feel like it's still a sport so yeah it's still a sport yeah. kind of yeah. yeah especially in los angeles when you're splitting lanes all the time right um you know trying not to yeah, get murdered by vehicles um <laughs> but uh i feel like turmeric um at least every time that i experience some sort of injury i'm like borderline ODing on turmeric so i'll I'll take like five thousand milligrams in a pill i'll drink some to me i'll do anything that i can do to to get it in my system no it's great i mean normally we're, we're not getting enough of it in our system so um it's always good to have it and add it so it makes an incremental difference over your life so it's almost just like an add ingredient that's in your daily routine but it does have those those powers that when you are injured or when you are hurt, um, that it can help heal the body. So yeah, and it is the idea that it's it's better to sort of consume. Uh, I wouldn't say a micro dose, but like a daily dose of turmeric for a long period of time, yeah, uh, more than sort of what I'm doing, which is just like an acute like yeah. overdose. Um, <laughs> Strategy. I mean, both works. I mean, both. Obviously, anytime you get it is great, but having it daily is key. Um, in fact, there's some, been some doctors that have done some research and gone to different parts of the world to see, you know, how, who, who's living the longest. And there's there's like a growing population community of centurions coming from Asia that that they went to see how are you how are these women living to be over 100 years old like generation after generation how is that possible and um, one of the aspects and one of the things that they found was that they have turmeric in their daily diet so they're getting it every single day and because of that it's adding to their life Right, right. Interesting. That's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, turmeric's like, I don't know, I have like a, a very close relationship with it, That's I feel good, like, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. It's mostly because I'm injured all the time, but yeah. yeah no, yeah. It's, 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 I do too, and it's great. I mean, I definitely think it's something that everybody isn't aware of how to get into their diet. Ironically, um, it's in mustard. So turmeric is in mustard. It's been oh. in mustard for forever since mustard was invented, I guess, or used or packaged. And it's because it, it helps make it yellow. That's why they use it as more of a natural color. But you'll notice that there's runners, ultra marathon runners, runners, people that do outdoor activities, that they'll take packets of mustard with them. 
and they didn't really know the association. They were just know that if they cramp up or if they need something, they'll they'll eat a mustard pack. And it's because I mean, there's just trace amounts of must of turmeric in there, but it is because of that is why it helps. It's not necessarily the mustard seed that's doing that. So you're running you're running a marathon. Yeah. You're like almost dead, suffering, and you're like, you know, it would be so good, <laughs> mustard pack. It's hardcore, dude. (laughs) It is. It is. But but since starting, you know, and getting more involved and using that as an ingredient for for our company, I've heard people tell me that all the time, all the time. That's fascinating. Yeah. So, so with, with the drinks then, you know, you have at least what, what I had seen on the market previous, um, previously is like you would have uh, a turmeric beverage and then you would just have a giant pile of it. It's sort of the bottom of whatever the liquid happened to be. Right. Um, but with, to me and what you've made it's like suspended somehow or like blended in a way that right. that doesn't do that yeah how do you do that like what what's I mean, going on yeah I magic? Know. It pretty much yeah. you know pretty much is magic <laughs> now i have to definitely thank we, we were, we're fortunate and when my you know my dad and i started it and we wanted to kind of go into the kitchen and make something that i could ba- basically starting off that i can consume daily while i'm working out and something better than what was out there and um, we were fortunate that we were able to partner with the food scientist that has over, back to that word again, 16 patents in Ayurvedic medicine and just really knows how to use, use different herbs to make, you know, increase their bioavailability, make them more water soluble. So that way you don't have that just sediment that just sits at the bottom, bottom of the bottle, because not only does it, it doesn't look good and not only it, you know, it just doesn't seem as appetizing, but it also affects you know, how you consume it because not everyone's drinking till that very bottom. So as you're taking each sip, you're not consuming those ingredients. They're staying at the bottom. And so if you don't finish the bottle and you don't have that chalky taste at the end in most drinks, then you're not getting those ingredients. Right. So that was a big focus for us um, and just trying to use a little bit of of technology of of food technology to kind of be able to make sure that it it was easily dispersed so we do still have some that comes to the bottom but a good shake and you're good to go yeah yeah and and the shake is pretty light like uh, the turmeric drink that i had back in the day Uh this is like i don't know 2013 it's a long ass time ago and i found it i think i found it in like this i uh, I used to have this habit of just going to all these random like vietnamese markets and stuff and just like buying random stuff yeah and there were some in there um and i didn't know what it was because it was like in chinese or vietnamese Mm -hmm. and i'm like uh i'm gonna try this (laughs) i would just go and like buy a random something every week right and um and it was was a turmeric beverage but i didn't know to shake it up and so i'm drinking this shit Mm -hmm. and like like oh it tastes pretty good you know i'm drinking the thing yeah and then and all of a sudden, at the at the very end of the drink, I go to like do the the last gulp. Yep. And I took the <laughs> fattest gulp of the just like pure like powder with like <clears throat> soaked in yep. liquid. It was terrible. I bet. Yeah. I, bet. I was like, yeah. The taste was insane. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes we do <clears throat> when we're trying to get good food in our bodies sometimes we'll you know do that plug your nose and gulp whatever you need to do almost <laughs> like put it down like medicine but you know w- when we wanted to make something that you can enjoy and you can use as hydration and while you're working out or while you're performing you're able to sip on it you don't really want to have that 
that taste that you experienced. So, sure, so that sure. was kind of like a main focus for us. And and for you guys too, it's like, it's, it's a hydration play in a lot of ways. Right. 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 And so this is like, uh, sort of an all day hydrating thing. And then also, you know, w- when you're playing sports, the interesting thing to me at least is, you know, a lot of these sports beverages, you know, your Gatorade or your Powerade or whatever. Right. It's like, it's mostly food coloring and sugar with a pinch of salt. Yep. Like it's not, you shouldn't really be drinking that stuff uh, almost ever. Um, and so uh, the interesting thing about what you have going on is you have something that actually reduces the inflammation in your body mm-hmm. after you work out. Yeah. Which yeah. is fascinating. Do, do people um, from your experience, do they sort of understand that piece of like, um, you know, you, you have a sports background, you played basketball in college. Like, do you think that people sort of understand that? I think they're starting to. Um, and, and part of it, even when learning about how, how it does that and how turmeric helps with inflammation after sport, I immediately got excited because that means you don't have to go to, you know, a cold pool afterwards. You don't have to ice as much. That was, that was in my thought process. I mean, I know people have different theories about, um, you know, ice and cold and the cryo and whatnot as far as how they work or if they work. But for me, it was always, okay, your body's really sore. You jump in the cold pool or you take an ice bath and to be able to have something that you don't necessarily have to do that um, because you're healing yourself from within. That was exciting enough for me. Um, And I think people are starting to realize just trying to find other remedies outside of seeing a trainer or having to suffer um, and and they want to get it in things that they're already consuming during their sport. So that's where you know, having an alternative, it really kicks in. Yeah. And when you were, um, you know, involved in, in playing college ball, uh, what was like the worst part of recovery? Was the ice bath? Yeah, ice bath, 100%. <laughs> ice bath. That feeling like you can't even get up and you can't walk and then having to go into the ice bath and put these little booties on your feet so that way your toes wouldn't freeze. Yeah. Yeah, the ice baths were the worst and we had to do them, so. And did you go, did you go arms in or arms out? Uh, arms in. Oof. A lot of times, not not all the times. Arms a lot in of times. Is yeah, yeah, all the way up to the neck. So just all the way up to the neck. I would go sometimes because like if your back or your arms. But yeah, it's tough for sure. <laughs> it helped. I mean, I feel like it helped. I believe in that type of treatment, but yeah. that was tough. Yeah, the ice bath is. Uh, I go to a, a Russian spa, which uh-huh. is like a contrast therapy spa, essentially. So you go into this giant brick oven, essentially, where it's like 220 degrees of just wow. like murderous heat. Yeah. Um, and then you jump into the ice plunge and it's like, and it's, it's water, but it's like 32.1 degrees. You wow. know what I mean? It's just like barely above freezing. Yeah. Um, and so I just try and stay in there for as long as humanly possible. But oh man that's tough. cold that's tough yeah i was like i mean i've done something similar at a spa and i was gonna say obviously you're more extreme than i am because <laughs> a brick oven i go into a sauna and then i go into a cold pool so it's a little different but even in even in the cold pool i believe it, it gets to those low of temperatures and i can only last for like 30 seconds yeah yeah, yeah it's funny when i go in there my whole my whole goal is to just stay in for as long as humanly possible uh-huh. more or less and so i'll go in and and uh, I try and stay in there for around five minutes at a time. Jeez. Which is pretty extreme. Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll go in there. Wow. And it's funny because in there, like, I'm doing it for mostly sports recovery, right? Right. And, and when I'm in there, I, I see everybody else. who It's mostly, like, old dudes, you know, mm-hmm. just, like, doing their sauna thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and... <laughs> 
<laughs> most don't even go in but yeah. the ones that do yelp when they go in they go like ah! <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like fucking pussies what are you doing and it's for like five seconds <laughs> oh yeah if yeah in and out immediately yep. <laughs> yeah and uh, i can only imagine minutes. them getting wow. like an ice uh, an ice bath it's just not gonna happen and then, wow <laughs> yeah and then it does stuff to your you know you have to be really focused and calm because you know i've tried to sit in it for for longer periods of time and not quite five minutes maybe like a minute and when i get out i'm lightheaded a little bit dizzy because your body kind of goes into shock in a good way to heal yourself but yeah, you got to be calm and it's almost like meditating in there. Yeah, you almost have to meditate because you, you get these, um, you know, these cold reactive um, cytokines and, and that, that right. sort of yeah. help your, your body recover. And, um, you know, when you're in there and, and it's just like so fucking cold and you don't know what to do, you just have to like breathe. Yeah, I'm terrible at that. <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> relax because otherwise otherwise you're like, a goner yeah your heart's weird you, it's hard right. to breathe if you're not used to it right. too like when you get in an ice bath you remember like first time you went in there and then all of a sudden like all the air just gets sucked out of your body like yep. <laughs> <laughs> get me out of this place exactly yeah exactly wow what do you think about uh cryotherapy and that whole thing I, I'm, I'm a believer in it. I mean, it's similar as I, as we've been talking about to, you know, putting yourself in, in cold temperatures and ice or ice bath. And it's another form of that, in my opinion, and helps with relaxation. Um, I know I haven't gone too much in the studies of it. Um, not a, not, not a physical therapist and, you know, my, my expertise in medicine doesn't exceed, you know, knowing about turmeric. Um, but <laughs> But in the sense, I do, I do believe in it. I think it helps a lot. You know, I do definitely think it helps. And a friend of mine has a, a cryo cafe, as they call it. And so it's really helpful. Even they do like facials. So to kind of like stimulate the skin in your face, to firm it up, and to also relax and help ease out some of, some of the wrinkles. And it's good for that as well. So, Sign me up. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, well, no, well, yeah you're never getting younger. No, Never. no. Yeah, it's ages undefeated. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always going to get you. <laughs> exactly. So, so hold on. So I saw someone doing this on Instagram the other day and they had, it, it was like a little, like a little wand or something like that. And the girl was like laying down on a table and there was, she like got out of a cryo chamber and uh -huh. then jumped on this table and then had like this cryo wand getting like put on her face. Is that yeah. sort of th yeah, the thing? Yeah, that's, that's what the thing is. Yeah. It's um, like a mobile unit, so they just can be able to do it, you know, topically to wherever your face or your shoulder, your elbow, and, and use it in that way. So you're not just going in the chamber, that you can just apply it to certain areas. Oh. And it's, yeah, it's like a little wand. Interesting. So you can also do that, not just to, uh, you know, become 22 again or whatever, right. but, but you can actually use it to sort of acutely treat a Correct. certain part of your body. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've done it on my knee a little bit. It's helped. I've done it on my shoulder, on my elbow. So I feel like I'm a firm believer in all of that helps, you know, being yeah. an athlete and having gone through all that we go through, just any, any way that we can get a little bit, alleviate some of the pain and just help heal our bodies is I'm um, sign me up, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, when you're, when you're uh, competitive in, in athletics, like you and I both are, it's like, you're always more prone to injury because you're just going hard right. and you just want to win. <laughs> you know, so. And then when your relaxed time is riding a motorcycle, then yeah, yeah 
<laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a bit of a problem. Um, <laughs> but uh, I feel like all those all those remedies, you almost have to do them. Have you ever had any crazy uh, sports injuries before? I'm I'm blessed. I'm very very happy and thankful that I haven't had anything outside of a fractured ankle, which for basketball kind of comes with the territory. It's nothing that serious. Uh, well, I mean, it is, but it isn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no big to, deal. To the normal person, probably it is, but. <laughs> You know, three months, you know, you just do a little rehab and you're back out there. It, it, what, I was able to play the next season, so it was okay. And then I did um, break my finger and I had to have surgery. But um, thankfully, I was able to, to have a good doctor, get surgery, um, rest for two weeks, and then was out there playing again. So I love how I asked you, like, hey, have you ever had any, like, you know, big injuries? Yeah. You're like, no, I didn't really. I mean, snap my ankle in half and <laughs> ah, busted my finger and had surgery. But yeah, no, other than that, I mean, pretty good. You know, exactly. As I was saying it, I was like, oh, I guess these are significant, but not, if I'm able to play and I'm able to still continue on, then for me, it, I'm thankful that it wasn't that serious. Yeah, so, word, word. Yeah. And so, were both of those injuries uh, because of basketball? And actually, maybe um, what is sort of your your background in in basketball? And you know, where did you play? And, and, yeah, and all yeah. of that. No, it's no, a fascinating absolutely. story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, both of them were with basketball. Um, one was in a game, and the finger was in pickup, so just practice. And uh, I grew up actually playing tennis and basketball. Um, since I was about four years old, tennis, and then fourth grade basketball, and was fortunate to be pretty good at it, and went and played at UCLA. So I played basketball at UCLA, and afterwards continued my career and played overseas for four years. So I was in Germany uh, for all four seasons. I played for the German Basketball League, but also got to travel and play against other countries in Europe, and had an amazing experience, and was able to continue and do what I love to do, and explore the world, so it was wonderful, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That is so awesome. I encourage anybody and everybody to travel. I mean, um, it's it's a big thing, you know, to be able to learn from other people and other parts of the world, and then also to be doing something that you love. Yeah, it doesn't get better than that. Right. It, did you uh, did you pick up any Deutsch? Yeah, I sprechen ein bisschen Deutsch. Oh, wow. Uh, it's not very good, but <laughs> aber, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I speak uh, zero German. <laughs> <laughs> I was all ready for you to come out with a sentence or something. I know. Uh, I, had a, I had two German roommates in college, and so I only know, like, the cuss words, because we'd be playing, like, a video game. Uh-huh. That, you know, scheiße. Or something. Yeah, Sch- oh, scheiße. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a, yeah. I still <laughs> use that. Yeah. <laughs> I still use that. So. When you're playing basketball over there, um, what what countries were the most badass um, to play? Well, m- most of the time I was playing in Germany. So, but but even from being in there, like things that would normally be called fouls here in the states, or that I grew up, you know, that's not how you play. That's a little too rough. Over there, it was it was all all game. You know, oh, really? yeah, it was all game. Especially they don't protect the guards very much for some reason. They protect the centers and people closer to the basket. But when you're out on the perimeter or you're dribbling the ball, if you're getting banged around, you're getting hit. I'm, I, there was times when I literally looked at the ref and was like, "Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> you, you've now ref most of my games this league this season, and you're not going to call that." Wow. And actually, one time, one of them told me, um, "Well, you're good enough. You can handle it." I was like, this is a professional league. This is what you say. So, yeah, it's intense. But 
you know, they're pretty badass out there. Wow. That, that actually surprises me because, um, you know, I don't watch any sports other than fighting sports really, uh-huh. but I grew up playing basketball and, right. and, and football and everything else. And, um, you know, uh, I feel like the number one sport that everybody watches over there, of course, is soccer. Mm-hmm. And if you ever watch professional soccer, it is hard for me to watch because everybody is <laughs> such a fucking bitch and that like everyone's just like they, they fall get, down oh my god the <laughs> flopping yeah is one of the most egregious things i have ever they seen they look in like my they got life. shot and then yeah. they just get up and play the rest of the game yeah <laughs> meanwhile i'm watching like you know alexander gustison and john jones beat the living <laughs> shit out of each other five minutes at a time cracking you know head kicks yeah elbows knees yeah and they're fine yeah <laughs> meanwhile yeah you know, and so like my perception was uh probably basketball over there is even more uh nerfed up but it's mm-hmm. actually less yeah yeah definitely wow. it is and and soccer yes football is the number one sport and then basketball actually is second in a lot of a lot of those countries so fortunately it was in germany and they'd come to the gym same way they do to the to the soccer stadiums they'd have their big drums and they would be pounding like the big drums they'd be doing their chants all of that it was pretty wild that's awesome yeah and what position did you play i played point guard shooting guard so point guard, shooting yeah guard. so brought up the ball but also can shoot pretty well so can move over to the wing and shoot yeah, yeah, I saw you playing a, a game of pickup somewhere on your uh, Instagram story the yeah. other day. And you <laughs> trained a three. Yeah, uh, so yeah. I, did, I, I did still try that. to play from time to time, and it's kind of fun because just in the basketball culture, uh, there's been bringing it back to Instagram and social media. There's a lot of social influencers um, that are doing you know parodies to to pros and making funny, cool videos, just mimicking some of the situations that happen mostly in the NBA or with the players. And so I've become friends with quite a few of them. And so to have them to be able to actually, they actually can play. They're actually really good. And they're not just making jokes on Instagram. So we set up a pickup game with a lot of them and it was pretty fun. That's interesting, you know, with with um, sort of the major sports like, you know, the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, <laughs> and the NHL, all that uh, stuff that I don't watch. Uh, what, what, fascinates me, <laughs> what fascinates me is like you have one major league that is just dominant. Overall, right. like there is no other you know maybe you have triple a in baseball or whatever right. but this is, it's not really taken that seriously yeah and 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 somehow uh with, with mma and of course it's a, a newer sport mm-hmm. you have the ufc which is predominantly the, the major player right but you also have a whole bunch of just smaller professional leagues right but they're just you know smaller and doing their thing and i i just wonder if there's not a market opportunity for things like basketball oh yeah it's, well there are it's it's funny funny that you said that because just the big three the big three is a league that started up, which is a three on three competition. And so that's one, one piece of it. Is that, is that the, um, like the, like the geriatric, uh, league? No. Well, I mean, I guess. I like mean, all the retired a, players. Yeah, but I mean, I they're mean, still good. They're still I good. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Better than me, but. <laughs> I mean. Hey, it's, it's, it's becoming a thing, I guess. People are really into it and it's, a, they're still playing, you know, great basketball. And, but that's one aspect. Um, there's, there's leagues, especially in California. I mean, California has the Drew League, which is been going around for a long time and a lot of the pros come and play in it so the drew league yeah that's what it's called what is the drew League? um it's a basically 
um, a summer league. It's a summer basketball league, and mostly it's for professional players, for like NBA players come and play in it. Um, you're like overseas players, some college players, and it's just basically a chance for them to play in the summer in the off season of the actual basketball season. And um, it's started at uh, at King Drew Magnet School, and it's been there in Compton and it's been there for the past, I don't know, 20 years or so. And all the pros come back to it and play in it and wow. battle in it. And this it's, it's official. So I don't want to say unofficial. It's an official league, but it's not a professional league. Right. You know, so yeah. yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's like an amateur like pickup league kind of yeah, that, hybrid that turned into something greater and bigger and more meaningful. So, wow. That's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Do you remember, do you remember the, uh, and one street ball tour? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What happened to and one? I don't know. International, Dude. I think it still does well, like in most Asian countries, but I don't really? I, I mean, that's where I hear of it still being around. But. Yeah, dude, and one. So like and one back in the day when we were kids, it was like this. It was a basketball tournament, but also they started making socks and, and yeah. like sneaks. I had shirts. Shirts. I had shirts. And one was dope. Like, yeah. For I don't know how long it was. Maybe when I was at the age of like eight to 11 or something right. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably. But like, yeah. Yeah, but like somehow it just like fizzled out and, mm-hmm. and went away. And then I was in Nebraska in November mm-hmm. at, uh, at a Walmart. Uh, which and they, you saw some? And I saw and one sneakers. No way. 20 bucks a pair. You didn't cop them? You didn't get them? You're damn right I did. <laughs> <laughs> you damn right I did. 20 bucks for some and one sneaks. That's so funny. So I bought them and like, they're okay. They're like, they're fine shoes. But like, apparently and one is just like relegated to the super cheap sneak yeah. market now somehow yeah. I, I would just I, who founded and one i want to get him on the know. podcast yeah. him or her whoever they are definitely yeah and one i know someone that, that um that's part of the slam um slam magazine and they obviously did a lot of things with with and one and just basketball and basketball culture so it's interesting yeah how that how it just phased out or you know, the I, I see stuff on the professor. Remember, the professor was one yeah. of the basketball stars that used to do all kinds of different tricks. Um, I still see things of him on Instagram and social media and whatnot. So, yeah, well, what do you think about the Harlem Globetrotters? Um, I think it they're great. Like <laughs> it's an act. It's it's entertaining. It's almost for like some people. It's but like WWE for basketball. Yeah, pretty much. Kind of, right? Pretty much. Yeah, I would agree with that. Pretty much. So you get like a team of scrubs. And then you put the team of like, you know, dudes who can play. Yeah. And then they just get dunked on. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, WWE. Exactly. It's all for show. So yeah. it's not really serious. You're not, you're not really going out there to beat someone. You already know you're going to beat them. You yeah. Know? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely. Are That's the Globetrotters undefeated? Probably. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't even know, to be honest. You gotta be, right? <laughs> They gotta be undefeated. Yeah. Uh, so I I, th- I think it's fascinating to think about sort of the the rule sets in various types of sports mm-hmm. and 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 maybe the the reason that I think about it in that way is of course with MMA it's very new and so the rules have changed a lot over time. Right. Um, but if you were to change, call it three or change or modify three or eliminate or add three rules in basketball, what would they be? Would it be like traveling? Would it be uh, more lenient or more strict fouling or that's tough um, because they, it, it has been changing as well as far as what their emphasis is on that they call uh, just like the travel. I mean, 
those of that have seen James Harden play and his step back and step back, step back, step back. It's, you know, when I learned to play basketball, that, that was a travel. Oh yeah. You'd be called immediately. Exactly. And, and the Euro step even that, why do we call it the Euro step? Because that that, it's when you essentially take like almost three steps and how you, you're allowed two steps in basketball to make a layup or without dribbling. Right. And so most of the time it's like a one, two, and then you lay the ball in. Well, with the Euro step, you take a one, kind of at an angle and then you take the other one and on the opposite direction to kind of like lean your body around a defender so it's like you're kind of you're not just going one two layup you're moving one to the one side then the other to the other side and um so it's called the euro step but it's almost a travel it used to be called a travel here and now i guess because we have more international players playing in the highest leagues that now it's allowed so there's certain rules that have already already kind of been in place they moved the three-point line back in college basketball to to more ref to be more in tune with the professional nba and wnba so there's already been a lot of rules change i don't i don't honestly watching the game right now i don't know if i personally would change anything so yeah there's a lot of talk especially around the women's game to lower the hoop or i think it's a great idea yeah i mean I, I'm mixed. I have mixed feelings. So it's like <laughs> it says a dude that doesn't play. Yeah, no, women's basketball, it's all right. But, that, know, but, it's a co-ed but, sport. But if a lot that of ways. means that that would be more entertaining for you, I mean, it definitely needs. That's my point. Uh, needs more of more of an audience, and especially more from the male audience to support it. So it is something you know, kind of to toss and turn over. But and it's already a smaller ball. It's a closer three point line. So, but women are stronger, and and just think the game is evolving. We're f- the WNBA is. I think at least 25 years behind the NBA. So it needs time to catch up. And there's women that can dunk now on the 10 foot hoop. So How many? I don't know, a handful. You're right. But still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do feel like I do. I mean, you know, women's and, and, and men's uh, sports have always been different, right? And, and they don't compete against each other professionally for a reason. Right. So like, why wouldn't you have a, a different set of whether it's like the height of a volleyball net or the yeah, size of the ball or the like women generally are just, you know, well, not all, but are smaller than men. So like, yeah. why wouldn't you proportionally sort of switch the stuff instead of just taking, well, you know, we did it for the dudes. So now we're just going to yeah. give it to everybody the same. It's like, no, can yeah. you imagine like, like little kids, like five-year-olds with a NBA sized ball trying to throw it into a giant. Yeah, no. You're right. I mean, you bring up a good point when you say it like that, because then it doesn't just make women feel inferior. It's just it's not dip- about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The makeup, um, genetic makeup, even, you know, physicality of it, the evolution um, in sports. It, it makes for an interesting conversation. Um, it's tough. It's tough being a woman and having to speak so much about equality and, and empowerment to then feel like you're bringing in something that is a handicap for us. So right, it right. makes things a little difficult. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. It's like a yeah. very nuanced conversation, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like, at least the way that I see it, it's not like, it's not a handicap. It, it's right. just like, well, if you took the average height of males mm-hmm. and the average height of females, dudes are taller. Right. Period. Yeah. So like what? And so proportionally, let's like reduce the height of the hoop to that proportion, right? And then, right. And now it's like, exactly the way it should be at least that's how i would think about it yeah that's a good point the reason that i like that idea is because you know i think that the WNBA has struggled to get that sort of broad like mainstream attention Mm -hmm. um and they play great basketball right and so it's not due to a lack of skill and i think that 
at the NBA, you know, uh, they benefit from things like Vince Carter dunking on some dude's face, right? And like he's he's over forty now. Do you know that? And yeah. He's still doing that. He's doing the damn yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but like the dunking aspect of basketball, I think, is just so visually stimulating for mm-hmm. for audiences right. that the more you could encourage that, um, the better, probably. Yeah. No, I agree. Definitely agree. And I think, I mean, it's going to continue to be a conversation. So the powers that be may eventually do that. Um, It just makes it difficult, I feel like, then in the college arena, in high school, you know, um, because most hoops, you're not really lowering them. So how how would that work out? And transforming basically every gym in the country may be a little bit more of an undertaking. So right. Yeah, I didn't even think about that actually. Yeah, yeah logistically yeah. that yeah. seems like a f- yeah. straight up nightmare. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, we got a girls game then a guys game. Nope, no more back-to-backs cuz we, you know, what high school is going to be able to turn Staples Center, they can turn it into ice in an hour, Maybe but we just like, lower the hoop for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> more dunks. More dunks. <laughs> Nick wants high flying. High flying, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I think you either raise it or you lower it. <laughs> I, I think you either. <laughs> Why would you raise it? <laughs> because, because, uh, uh, yeah, um, the reason you would raise exactly. it is... <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> I think we raise it for everybody so no one can dunk. Oh, yeah, then no one watches it. <laughs> we kill basketball. Yeah, that would kill basketball. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, what if you took away the dunk? You know, when I was in eighth grade, um, so I've been, so in eighth grade, I was already like 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, uh-huh. So like I, I just went and I grew like, an inch or two inches after that wow. and then that was it so i was always playing center yeah um w- when i was younger and uh back then in eighth grade i didn't know so when you're doing the warm-ups you're not allowed to dunk right right well i had just learned how to dunk in eighth grade and so i was so jazzed to just wow. like show off the dunk i bet and so i'm in the warm-ups and i'm going boom 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 and i just slam it and just grab the rim and snap it and, and you didn't uh, break it did you no uh-huh. i mean no no not at all but i uh you know i hit that rim and, and dunked it and i was feel, i was like yeah I was so stoked <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, Technical, technical foul. Wow. What a way to start the game. <laughs> oh my God. Talking about embarrassing. I was like, in my mind, I was like, dude, I'm going to go in there, do yep. this dunk in the warm up. It's going to be awesome. And then, uh, and then I'm the asshole getting a technical foul before the Jeez. game starts. <laughs> so hilarious. Oh my goodness. I would love to see that. That would have been hilarious. Oh my God. would have been like, yeah, no, no, <laughs> sit down. <laughs> I was like, what? What do you mean? I can't. What? Yeah. That's too funny. Yeah. You still play? Not really, right? Um, not not so much anymore, yeah. I mean, I, I would definitely play a game of pickup right yeah. now. Um, I do enjoy playing, um, hopefully without snapping my ankles or ACL or something yeah, like that. Yeah, no, no, no. Do you think ACLs are the number one injury in basketball? Um, definitely for, I, I would say in women's sports in general, um, for sure it is, um, because we're mostly quad dominant, I've learned. Um, but for basketball in yeah, for for both men and women, I think it it probably is that or that or an ankle injury, and now you're seeing a lot more Achilles injuries, which is interesting. Oof. It has to do with again the high flying, the type of shoes that people are wearing. All of that plays a role in it. But are there regulations with the shoes? The, well, it's interesting. I just I, I just started to look more into it just because they've there was a color regulation before that it had to match you know the the jersey color um it had to be predominantly a certain color and it's it's evolved over time michael jordan kind of paved the way for that and he's the one with with i think it was the air jordan one that they they brought out like this red and black 
a shoe that just kind of set everybody on fire. And from there, now the color regulation has been removed. So anybody can wear any color at any time on the court. So wow. but it's also interesting because APL is a brand that they they put in their technology that I guess it could help with, with jumping or it can help you get more airtime with some of the technology they put in their shoe and they were banned from the NBA. So Whoa. and so no one can wear APL shoes while playing basketball, I guess. Yeah, talking about um, the greatest piece of marketing you yeah, can have as a yeah, shoe company. Absolutely, absolutely. So Those guys are every genius, single so. high school kid yep. everywhere. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> they won't even let Kobe Bryant wear their shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. And that's that's what it did for Jordan too at that time when they brought on um Jordan Brand and Nike when they brought Jordan on and they made that shoe because then they just basically said banned by the NBA. And then everybody and their mom wanted to to have a pair of them because even skaters were wearing them. Everyone was, everyone was wearing them. There's a documentary that just got put out talking about it and it's on Hulu. It's pretty cool. So interesting. What's the documentary called? Um, I, you know, I just, just escape, uh, probably just search what, um, uh, Jordan unbanned. shoe. What is it? I think it's, Oh man, I got to think of it because it's a, a really amazing, I don't know why it just escaped me because I just think of Jordan. Right. But, yeah. um, a really amazing female producer put it together too. So that's it's something to check out. Yeah. yeah. My favorite basketball player growing up was Dennis Rodman. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hardcore, huh? <laughs> yeah. Just climb. <laughs> he, I mean, he was amazing. If you really think about it, he really owned his role as being like the best rebounder ever. And he just sacrificed his body, sacrificed everything for his team. But he could shoot too. He could play, you know, oh, yeah. everything. So he's also just a crazy motherfucker. Yeah, that's I know. I already know that's why you like him. Yeah. So <laughs> say no more. Yeah, he's like broke the mold. He's like, yeah, you know, just getting crazy lip piercings exactly. and wearing dresses in public right. and just like being a wild riding motorcycles dude. and yeah. just being badass. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. What uh, what other sports do you find fascinating besides um, basketball, dude? Do you watch any, uh, anything else? Yeah, well, I, I love sports. So I watch tennis too, because again, I grew up playing it. I've now recently started watching MMA and UFC actually, because one of my best friends and, and one of our business partners, he compete. Well, he doesn't compete, but he trains in the off season because he plays in the NFL, but in the off season he trains. And so he's always watching the fights. And at first I, I couldn't even stomach like seeing the blood and seeing them knock each other out. But now I've kind of gotten to like it um just because you see all the preparation that goes into it and you can appreciate more of all the work and having people like yourself um that i'm now around and that appreciate the sport as well so mma is something that i've I've taken to um baseball when i'm at a game i don't i can't really watch it on tv yeah it's tough for me and I mean, I appreciate all sports, though. So yeah, I got an idea for baseball. You ready yeah. for this? Here's, yeah, here's okay, my, let's hear uh, it. This is on top of my list of bad ideas oh, for okay. sports. I don't I watch. Know, I know. <laughs> I don't watch basketball. That's a whole nother, the hoop. That's a whole other show. <laughs> yeah, it's um. I think that you should uh, implement. Um. So you know, in hockey, they have the enforcer on the bench that right. just comes out and like you know beats somebody. Starts or, fights. Yeah, yeah. Or like you know, the refs still just let you fight someone else in the middle of the ice for no reason. Like right. you just do it. Yeah. Um. So I think. Since baseball is so boring, you, you just have, um, and, and there's fights in baseball a lot, right? The bench is right. clear, whatever. Yeah. Like, fuck all that. We don't need benches cleared and like all or sorts of weirdness. Like, if the pitcher or the batter want to beat the other dude up, same thing. You just, the umpire goes in there and then they get like 15 seconds to scrap. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? No. They're just going to start fighting? Yeah. 
I think it'd be way more exciting. I guess. I, I mean, instead of the seventh inning stretch, you have the third inning fight, right? Yeah, whoever has the beef can just go in yeah. there and squash it. <laughs> I think it would be better than them trying to throw the ball at each, at, at, you know, when sometimes when the pitcher gets pissed and then they throw it to like intentionally make a ball and hit them. There's a lot of injuries that happen like that. Oh, yeah. so. You ever been smacked with a baseball? No. Oh, man. You have? Oh, yeah. I used to, um, I used to play baseball, of course. Yeah. And then um, I was, so I was always a, a, a bigger kid. So I'd be able to kind of fake my age and umpire baseball for kids that were my age or older than me, which mm-hmm. you're not supposed to do, obviously, when I was in high yeah. school. Um, but I was making like 30 bucks a game, which for me back in the day was like killing yeah. the game. And so uh, the, the thing is, like if somebody swings the bat and they hit the ball and the ball goes backwards, you know, like a foul ball, mm-hmm. um, it actually increases in its speed than just with the pitch. Wow. And I remember I got smacked in the shoulder by one and I just had this baseball sized chunk of skin was just gone. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wild. Baseball is dangerous. Yeah, it is. Yeah. For sure. When you're throwing like And then you want to add fights to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Ingersoll, yeah, everybody. Good that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so with MMA, actually, I, th- I think it's an interesting thing because with women's sports and, and before, uh, MMA was only a male sport, right? right. Um, and it was also illegal in large parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it started there. And even Dana White uh, was quoted saying, I'll never have females compete in the UFC, right? right. Um, and it was primarily because of publicity, like PR, mm-hmm. like, <clears throat> you know, how, how well is it going to look when like some girl just gets knocked out, you know, the public wasn't ready for it. Right. Um, but that's changed so much so that like MMA, watching a, a female MMA fight is super exciting to watch. Yeah. And it's also because of their physical attributes. So typically their upper body strength is not as strong. So, so you don't get as many like really quick knockouts. Mm -hmm. You get way more technical striking. So like really, really technique oriented striking, which is very, at least for me, really fun to watch. And then also the flexibility is a whole different level. Oh, I bet. So when it goes to the ground where normally a guy gets stuck inside control or whatever and can't get out, girls can like, put their legs behind their head, invert, do all this really crazy flexible jujitsu that makes it like super exciting to watch. Yeah. I think that's one of those sports where like it, it took a whole 180. It was like, oh, girls aren't allowed. And now it's some of the most exciting things to watch right. in all sports. Yeah, that's amazing. I've, I've seen that as well too. And just them like honing in on their craft and being able to get out of the, all those moves, as you said. Yeah, it's exciting for sure. Yeah. I would never do it, but uh, <laughs> definitely more power to them. It's it's exciting to watch. Yeah, well, getting punched in the face isn't the best long-term yeah. strategy for your mental health, I don't think. Yeah, no. Uh, I've just never been a fighter either, so that wouldn't do well for me. Yeah. Even with my younger brother that, you know, growing up, he would piss me off and I'd get so upset and I'd just be afraid to even push him just because I was afraid that he would get hurt. Oh, I know. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I I would say that about my brother, but then he would listen to this and be like, you are a a liar. liar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My brother and I have had a a few spats. He's he's my best friend, of course, but yeah, Yeah. we've we've had our our fair share of spats. That's too funny. (laughs) Yeah, it's normal. Yeah, it's normal. And you fight now, so yeah. That's, cool. yeah. Well, now it's not fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. when you're kids, you're, it's a little more equal. Yeah. And so you grew up in the city of Los Angeles, right? Yes, I did. So how has that been? You're one of the, uh, it's like I've captured one of the rare I, LA natives. Seriously, I feel that way. Yeah, I mean, everybody, including myself, total transplant. Mm-hmm. How how was it growing up in LA? And for a lot of people that, that listen to this, probably, you know, LA is like this. Oh, it's Hollywood and it's, you know, all this glitz and glam and movies right. and whatever. But... Like, how, how how was that whole thing growing up for you? Well, it, it was great. I mean, I couldn't imagine growing up anywhere else. And I'm definitely an Angelino for life and love being in California, love my city, love L.A. So I'm one of those people um, that definitely does not want to leave, obviously to travel, but never to live anywhere else. Um, but... I, I didn't realize that some of the stigmas and how you said, oh, Hollywood and the entertainment culture, everyone is pretty much at like one degree of separation away from the industry. And I didn't, I didn't really think of that as a bad thing. I still don't think it's a bad thing, but I didn't realize that it actually is very true. You know, my dad's an Academy member. He's been involved in the motion picture industry for over 20 years and I just grew up with that like I would go to Hollywood screenings I would you know know people in the industry friends of mine at school their parents were actors or this or that um and I I it just seemed normal it didn't seem like something of in a movie or on a tv show and or that Hollywood life or whatever so it's definitely part of me and it's part of growing up here. And I feel like anyone else that's from LA, they have some kind of tie to the industry as well, just because it's our backyard, you know, especially I grew up in the Valley studio city is very close to Hollywood. So I went to school, you know, down the street from Hollywood. So I'm very much part of that Hollywood scene. And, um, I love the beach too. So definitely, you know, I wouldn't consider myself a beach bum, but all those things that people try and make LA people seem like i guess i am but not in a bad way so, of course, yeah yeah, yeah. I, I love la too and i find that people that are all la natives that, that still live here say a similar thing they they love the city and, and they'd never want to leave i think that's like it's it's a relatively common thing actually yeah um and it is because i think there's a lot of negative perceptions of la right. uh for people that have never been here um but it's like a really beautiful and crazy place. Yeah, and there's so much to do. People don't realize either because I know I just talked a lot about Hollywood and being connected to Hollywood, but I have friends that have visited from even you know other parts of the world and their travel advisor says, oh, just spend a day in LA. I'm like, a day in LA? You need way more time than that. You can, Fire your travel yeah, advisor. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, or two days and spend more time in San Francisco and more time in wherever, Vegas. And I'm just like, there's so much to do. You know, LA County is goes all the way down to Orange County and goes all the way north to Magic Mountain, you know? Um, so it's, there's so much to see, so much to do and so many different pockets and areas that are, that are all very different, you know? So I, that's the one thing I love. You get the mountains, you get the beach, you get the city all in the one place. Yeah. So. No, I feel like culturally here too, you have, um, it, I think it's a generational thing as well, but a lot of people are into health and fitness and wellness Absolutely. and and all of that. And you have, you know, your, your creation juices and you got your toomies and your bananas yeah, and your exactly. this and your that's. And then it's like sort of this hotbed for, um, you know, health and fitness. Right. Uh, what is your fitness routine like these days? Well, I mean, I'm trying to amp it up, uh, definitely, obviously, still with the hustle and bustle of work and being in LA having to 
spend so much time in your car, drive, well, for you on your cycle, but drive everywhere. And the time that that takes, it it eats into your calendar, eats into your day. But I've been making more time for myself. I definitely, when I wake up, I meditate. That's key for me just to kind of clean, clear my mind and get ready for the day. And I consider that part of overall health and fitness. It's not just about, you know, jumping on a bike or going for a run. It's really your mind as well and taking care of your mind. So start with that. And then I usually get a work, it depends on the day, but I'll either work out in the morning three days a week or the rest of the time I work out in the evening and I'll do like a high intensity workout, a little bit of mixture of weights, a little bit of cardio. I'm usually joined with friends because it just makes it easier, makes it fun and being able to do, to keep each other accountable. But, um, and then I try and throw in some basketball there every now and then. So every, every like so often go and shoot some hoops even if it's just by myself or do a pickup session so that's really kind of more i mean i'm usually in the gym uh, i don't really like to run on the road so much uh, i really don't like running either so <laughs> me neither yeah so if i could avoid it and by any means then then I'm, that's what i'm going for so yeah i feel like it's almost anything that i can do to get away to, to do some cardio yeah. and not run exactly i know like, when i see you in the gym doing your mma i feel like that's how i am when i'm on the basketball court it's like totally. okay i need cardio but i'm not going to do it just on the elliptical or running so yeah yeah definitely yeah so are you, are you doing um like weight training is it primarily cardiovascular or sort of cross training or yeah a little mixture of, of it all so um actually just started working out with the trainers as well just to help me kind of fine-tune you know some of the workouts so that i don't get stagnant don't get bored and i'm able to work on some body correction to really work on my movement and get you know as I, i'm getting older you know i need to focus on other things more stretching you know more flexibility rather than just get up and go and so combination of just doing mostly weights um and then a lot of different you know body weight movement too so you know those burpees and you know push-ups and trx machine so using all of that and also getting out and getting on the stairs so went to back to my school back to ucla and was on the track doing a track workout and going up and down the stadiums so just really mixing it up you know for me i can't just do the same thing all the time so and i'm open to all the different there's so so many different like thoughts and ideas on fitness right now and i feel like i want to try them all so yeah i think with fitness too it's like it's really easy to just get unmotivated and bored mm-hmm so if you're not mixing it up in some way yeah. or learning something new, it's just so easy to fall off track. Yeah. And everyone has a different idea and practice and style from, you know, to you have to really focus on just the mechanics to, you know, CrossFit is all about just like power and speed and doing, doing it as, as big and fast and as strong as you can and just everything in between. And I'm, I'm open to trying it all. I think it's good for you just to have a healthy body movement. That's important. I think I've learned a lot just in overall health and happiness that if you're moving your body, you're, you're usually a lot happier. And so however that looks. I also actually did focus on the inside as well. And I've done a, a sugar detox for the past month. Ooh. Yeah. So no sugar, no carbs. You're going um, keto. Yeah, pretty much going keto. So. Yeah. So only fruit I can have are bananas and green apples. So I've been loving banana as a snack since I'm <laughs> a huge, my, my weakness is chips. That's my 
my uh, vice, so <laughs> I've been able to get that craving with through banana but that's awesome yeah but it's been tough no wine you know no yeah a lot of things were cut out but it's important you know you have to mix again mix it up that's that's the key yeah i cut out sugar uh almost entirely um a few years back and i was like super strict hardcore ketosis for two Uh years um like ridiculous like i would have like a bottle of olive oil in my pocket to go out to eat type really? of shit yeah like 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 lunacy People, yeah. and i'd do it in secret i'd be like pulling this little thing of olive oil out of my pocket and it's, just kind of sneaking it on the that's <laughs> so salad or like i didn't want anybody to, to find me out you know like what is this guy doing they can just give it to you at the restaurant olive oil seems like a staple yeah for the most part for the yeah. most part yeah but if you're going to like you know some some like you know, what do you do when you go to in and out yeah it's true yeah. Dipping your burger in olive oil. Yeah, no, I I mean, with this, yeah, with, exactly. I got it just yesterday. I had, you know, was on the go, got a Chick-fil-A grilled chicken sandwich, lettuce wrap. And they're like, do you want sauce? Because obviously they're known for their sauce. I'm like, no, no sauce. They're like, I was like, there's no sauce on the sandwich, right? And they said, no. They're like, but do you want sauce on the side? I was like, no. <laughs> Keep the sauce no away. Sauce, no, no sauce for me. Jeez. Well, I feel like, you know, sort of the, the mindfulness, wellness, fitness, all those things sort of interact with each other, right? Like there's a Venn diagram where they Absolutely. all sort of meet. And even, even with fitness and, and working out, at least for me, if I'm not moving my physical body, right. my brain does not work as yeah. well. Yeah. Like it just doesn't, you know, it's easier for me to get sad. It's easier for me to get mad. It's easier to just like feel less energy in general. Um, And I feel like, you know, people that that, that don't have sort of an active workout routine, they don't really realize that that's affecting sort of their brain on a daily basis. 100%. It's it's about all of those things that you mentioned. I couldn't say it any better. It's really important. Yeah. And the meditation thing is an interesting layer too. Um, I started meditating super long time ago. It was probably like 2009, I want to say. Wow. Um, and it was purely because I was I was like in a terrible spot in life and like living in the, the hood and all this shit and like yeah. it was just, you know, bad times. And so I would meditate as sort of an escape, as a reset, as a mental reset to sort of get back into the mode of, of being able to to move forward and 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 have motivation um and i think that meditation now has sort of this steam behind it finally Mm -hmm. and you have all these different Mm -hmm. apps and things do you meditate um just by yourself are you using an app are you doing a guided meditation or how do you approach that yeah i i do it by myself actually so i've tried to use some of the guided meditations every now and then um i've also used an app you know, when I really need to ground myself and get focused, but generally I'm, I'm able to do it on my own, you yeah, know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm able to wake up. I'm really able to focus and put my intent into whatever I need at that time. And also just to clear the space in my mind, because, you know, you take all the things that you said, and even from your own journey, you, people don't realize even the most positive people, even the strongest people, they still have all this stuff going on in between those ears. You know, there's still a lot happening in that head and, and how do you internalize it? And it's sometimes ends up being toxic the way you're able to be strong and just really, you're just pushing it down. And so really focusing on how to kind of release that. And sometimes a release is just to clear it out of your mind. And meditation for me has helped a lot with that. Yeah, so you said something that was really interesting there. You said, you know, sometimes being strong is pushing it down, whereas right. when you're meditating, you're almost pushing it out. Right. 
Exactly. And, you know, maybe it's, maybe you have to push it down sometimes, but to then have that exhaust, that, that meditation exhaust to push it out is, is so important. Yeah, absolutely. That's such an interesting concept. Yeah. Even, and I, and I personally have been on my own journey through that, you know, and starting a business and I've had some, some personal things happen to me as far as relationship aspects, um, just life, you know, It, it weighs on you. And I usually try and you know when when i get bogged down by it and like you said get a little bit more mad or sad then i realize that's when i need to go towards meditating more even more than once a day just because you have to kind of clear yourself of of what's happening and focus on the now and the present and even on where you want it to be in the future not where you think or the worry or the stress is taking you to so yeah yeah it's one of those things where i feel like you know everybody everybody has a struggle somewhere mm-hmm. in their lives. Yep. And it's something where, you know, oftentimes you, you don't know about it. You don't see it because it is invisible. Right. 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 Struggle is invisible. Right. right. And, right. you know, like you said, you never know what's happening between yeah. those two ears. And um, having sort of a personal protocol to deal with those times, I think, is so important. And something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about and it changes over time. Right. Like like you were saying, oh, well, I'm actually I detect that my mentality is even lower than it normally is. So instead of doing just my maintenance one time a day meditation, right. now I'm going to do it two, three, four times a day, whatever it is. And, you know, go for a run and then, you know, whatever that, that protocol is, I think it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting concept. Yeah, no, I, I'm firm believer, especially having gone through some, some things that I really had to focus on that and really, um, pay more attention to it rather than just taking it for granted and just moving on or moving forward or pushing it down. That I think it's something that actually needs to be taught. You know, people need to be, uh, there's a conversation around mental health that it's, you know, kind of releasing the stigma and it's bringing it more into mainstream and people make people more aware. I know there's still people on both sides of the spectrum on how they they think of it or they believe in it, but there just needs to be more dialogue. You know, all of us are going through something and that's life. That, That is what it is. You're not, you know, unless you're facing something, then how do you know that you're really alive? And um, but how do you go through it and like what happens next and how do you process it or how do you respond to it? That's the part that that needs to be more of the focus. That's right. I mean, every, everybody's defined by their reaction to right. any yeah. situation, right? And, you know, whether that's, you know, some, something happens in your relationship, something happens with your job or your right. business or your, you know, you break your leg, you get amputated, you, you know, something horrible happens, your loved one dies, you become paralyzed. Like there's, there's an infinite amount of terrible things that can happen to you mm-hmm. besides death where you're still alive yeah. and you have to react to it. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I know you were talking a lot about um, sort of mental health and, um, you know, sort of bringing that more into, into the forefront, even with To Me and everything else. Why do you think that um, just now it's starting to become something that is being a little bit less stigmatized, being destigmatized, and people are sort of speaking out about it a little more. And you know, is it just our general understanding of it? Is it sort of a societal thing? Why and how do you think that happens? Yeah, I think in my opinion, it's a societal thing as well as, you know, we take a lot from from mainstream, from pop culture, from entertainment, from those heroes, those idols that we look to, and you're seeing more and more people that appear to have everything going for them taking their lives and that's and not just from you know in the past it just being partying and drug overdose because of being reckless it's be it's it's really intentional and um, that raises the question as to why is this happening and if 
it it also erases kind of everyone sees them as being great so they don't think of it as being a bad thing it's not just like the the old-fashioned oh psycho ward type type mentality or loony bin as you know all those things used to be called it's more like wow something's really going on and what is it and i think also unfortunately just you know some political climate has has a part of it as well as you know just like terrorism in general um without getting too deep and too too sad on the subject but you know there's a lot of more fears that we have now than than there were before and that brings a lot of tension anxiety stress that that people weren't normally used to and being able to talk about those things it's it's helpful yeah i think so too and you know it's again it's like a lot of people live in sort of this quiet despair um you know and it's really easy to be in a dark spot and think that you're the only one in right. the cave right and when you think you're the only one in the cave then you're more apt to do something bad yeah. You know, whereas if you already know that like, oh, you're trapped in the cave, but you're also trapped in the cave with millions of other people. And also there's a way out of there. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I know everyone has their own opinion and their own feeling for it, but I I honestly think like faith, however that looks to you, you know, I'm, I'm in touch with my religion and I, you know, I believe in God and, and having your faith, I think is a big part of it as well. And unfortunately the way, again, things are and where or different religions are you're seeing more corruption or people are straying away because of of you know polar extremes of like cultish behavior so people are shying away from and not talking about religion in a way that is helpful for people you know it's more just yeah i don't believe in it or i you know and they lose touch with that faith and i think that's a big piece as well yeah you know i think that you know faith and uh, you know i'm i consider myself agnostic or atheist i don't uh-huh. I, i'm a non-believer yeah um but i do believe that having faith in something right. is extremely important and whether that something is jesus or muhammad or yahweh or shiva or vishnu or odin or whatever it is or yourself mm-hmm true is the most important thing that like you have to have faith in something even if you you know you're listening to this and you're like yeah well you know i don't believe i was in catholic school i don't believe the shit whatever well then have faith in yourself correct have faith in your future self maybe it is right mm-hmm. um because as soon as you lose sight of that then it becomes very problematic like you're saying I, th- I think you do have to have sort of that ability to put something at a higher level even if it's your own future self that mm-hmm. you don't know your future self <laughs> that's true right like you haven't met yeah, that person 100 yeah, like who you were 10 years ago is a different person correct <laughs> and yeah who you will be 10 years from now totally different person too absolutely yeah so that's that is an interesting component of it and i think especially in big cities, at least, you know, I grew up in a very small town. Um, People are more prone to just kind of not have a sense of community, not have a sense of family or faith or anything, really. Really? Um, Because people are kind of desensitized to human beings. You know, it's like if, um, you know, my my clutch cable on my motorcycle broke a while back, right? On the freeway, on the the 10. And so um, I'm off on the side of the road. You know how many people stopped? None. Zero zero and if you did that same shit in western nebraska you would be annoyed because every single person would stop Mm, trying to help you trying to do something yeah Yeah. like oh you need any help like oh no i got taken care of don't worry (laughs) three minutes later no i'm good (laughs) yeah so no that's a good point everyone's living in their own silos here and and head down 
power yeah. through, you know? Yeah. Head down, head down and power through is an important skill to have. Um, but also it's like, you, you, you gotta know if, if you're pressing, uh, something down that needs to be True. exhausted True. out of your body, like you were yeah. saying with meditation. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's fascinating. And with turmeric too. And I think diet is oftentimes sort of, um, moved aside from from mental health and like we we're talking about running or working out or playing basketball or whatever um positively contributing to a positive mental, atti- mental attitude the same could be said for diet absolutely i think all, all the things that we've talked about contribute to that it's, it's part of your life right that's part of how you need your mind you need your body you have to feel something within you that faith that future um that that guiding light and so having you know come from a diet what we consume we need food in our in order to fuel our bodies to live so all of those things come together and and yeah back you brought it back to turmeric that's that's actually one of those powerful foods that able is able to touch on all of those aspects it's able to improve your diet it's able to help with healing of your body um it's also great for your mind you know it's really strong um um, fire it fires cognitive function so it really helps with your brain and helps heal the brain um, in those parts of the world that we talked about where most mostly they're eating it in their diet that you don't find alzheimer's disease you don't find a lot of mental illness and that's contributed to the the powerful root that it is so incorporating these things into your diet helps as well with the mental clarity it helps with your your overall peak performance it helps you know find that purpose it's really that mind body soul connection so interesting yeah and when you're and starting any businesses is so fucking hard right (laughs) it's like it's it's all on you right you know you succeed son you you fail son you (laughs) (laughs) there's no other option yeah exactly Um, and so when, when when things are stressful um which uh they almost always are in 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 the startup world uh what are your ways of of dealing with with that sort of stress or getting over that hurdle when you know something happens a supplier can't get the product for a big order that came up or uh an employee or something something happens like what do you do to sort of make sure that you don't fall into the trap of of going down the hill of negativity yeah i mean i mean we hit on through this conversation We've hit on everything. Definitely working out is is key. I've noticed when I don't work out because I get bogged down in those stressful moments, then they compound and it becomes worse. So obviously finding that release and moving my body and working out, it's just naturally releases endorphins and it's just an amazing experience to be able to, okay, we can push through this. Like I'm alive, I'm healthy, we can make this happen. And then having a good support group. Like I'm really, really fortunate to have amazing people in my life, you know, just from the people that I, I'm constantly constantly meeting that I'm inspired by from friends that I've had for years um, and having them. I was just talking to someone yesterday that, you know, I, I personally don't necessarily believe in therapy as, as something for me. Um, you know, if it, it helps other people, then it's great because it learns to how to express themselves or have someone to talk to. But my friends have always been my therapist, you know, being able to have really solid people that I can trust that if I'm going through something that I could bring it up to them and they can kind of help me see a different way of it or just, you know, bring some insight into their own personal life. That That's very helpful to me. So having a good support system and having people around you, even outside of the work environment, you know, outside of your actual startup, your business, your partners, your advisors, having people outside of that for me has been very helpful. 
Right. Yeah. And what is like one of the more difficult um, sort of business situations you've come across? Uh, you know, what are one of those things where like, oh, I didn't see that hurdle coming. I didn't see that boulder rolling down the hill that I had to jump out of the way. What are one of those things that, that you've seen? Thus I far? mean, we've there, there's always something like you like you said, and I think the biggest hurdle is wanting and seeing yourself moving faster than what all the pieces are able to let you do. So, you know, you have the vision, you even have created the the demand, um, you've set things up, but then now, you know, the distributor needs to come through and now, okay, you need a little bit more money for that marketing. So you need to get that, that, that another partner or that investment in there or just things need to catch up or suppliers need to catch up in the whole, okay, contact them and then wait one week till they respond and then contact someone else and then still be moving forward. I think the timeline and the time frame of where, you know, as being a founder and, and having the vision and where we see the company going and having everyone else kind of jump on board with our time frame has been, been challenging. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's patience. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It's like, it's, it's the speed to execute, which is so vitally important to like do like getting the stuff, but then also having the patience to not freak out when it takes 12 weeks for your packaging or right. some bullshit. You're yeah. just like, but Whole Foods wants it right now. Like, what do you mean <laughs> I gotta wait 12 weeks to for a bottle cap or yeah. something, right? Yeah, no, 100%. That's been the biggest thing. And the kind of putting all the pieces together at one time, like, especially right now where we are, I feel like a little bit of a, of a, of, I don't know how, almost a circus wrangler <laughs> or, or um, a great mastermind or whatever nicer way you could say the it. But puppet master. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Trying to put everything in play at the same time. So have everything, all the dominoes fall. Um, that, that's been pretty challenging. I'll be very, very happy and I'm going to be proud of myself when it happens, but in the process, ooh, it's tough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is a process too. And it's like, you know, it, it, it is, it's just all those things that you just don't know to plan for, right? It's like, it's, it's really easy to knock over a bunch of dominoes that are perfectly lined up. Of just course. Go, Bloop. Yeah. And then. Go point. Yeah. And then meanwhile, there's one domino just out the side and you go. Burr, and you go and then fucking <laughs> the rest of the hunter just never fall. I think and the beatboxing like, is coming out a little bit too yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, my, my sound effects game. It's just like, <laughs> so I don't realize that I do that sometimes. So, it's awesome. <laughs> so something, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Lining up all, all of the pieces to then have them fall in perfect succession is like, it's, it's a beast to do. And I think a lot of people, they aspire to, um, you know, start something and, and do it and, and, and all of that. And they may have the idea, but the devil's in the execution. Yeah. And yeah. that can derail a lot of stuff. Exactly. And what you said too earlier about patience, you know, I think, you know, I was talking to, to another uh, startup founder the other day and we we're just saying how, you know, you hear about before someone started something and then you usually hear about when they're like this wildly successful person and that whole especially zero to three years and that whole startup grind startup fatigue people don't hear about that so that's why you, you see people afraid of starting things or you don't really know how to support someone or what they're going through because we don't we don't share that our secret deep secrets you know yeah. we don't talk about it because it's very much of this up and down roller coaster but that is a good point actually 
Absolutely. You, you do see sort of this thing where, um, you know, people only talk about sort of their path and journey after they've come to some sort of opulent success, right? right? And, and that time between that zero to three years, whatever that, that small time frame is in any given business is often talked about only in retrospect. Correct. Right, yeah. not not during the time that it's right. happening. Yeah, I think personally, when when I was asked about it, I think because one, you're so you're so driven that you don't want to necessarily. You're thinking about the things that could go wrong. Of course, you have to in order to prepare, but you don't want to put that out there, and you don't want people to really know what's happening because you yourself are believing and seeing where you're going to be, and so. In my opinion, I think that's why it's not talked about as much. You know, I think you're right. You have yeah. to have. I mean, you have to have absolute, just unrelenting faith in yourself yeah. and your ability to execute right. on what you're doing. And then simultaneously, you want to signal to the market, be that investors or or whoever it is, right. um, that you are gonna crush it yeah. and or are crushing it currently. Exactly. And you know, to show any you know, any, any defects in the armor, um, makes it a lot easier for arrows to, to slide in and, and slam you in the torso. So th- there is sort of like uh, outside pressures that, that cause that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm sure you would agree that in, when I do give any advice or just even for me in the much earlier stages, then I, I appreciate all the talks that you do and how you share a little bit more of that story and kind of open that up to people. But still, I would always say just start, you know, like I still with with anybody would be like, just start, just go for it. Just take that leap of faith. Just, you know, know that it's going to be difficult, but don't stop. You know, when everyone brings up to me about how, you know, or if there if there are certain naysayers that are like, oh, it's a crowded market or, you know, how are you going to succeed? Or, you know, all the big players are the ones that are dominating and you'll, you know, you need massive amounts of money to get there, et cetera, et cetera. It's all, you know, list goes on with what naysayers, haters say. But the main thing that I tell them is the reason why people stop and the reason why most businesses fail after one or two years is because they don't have the patience to go through the bad times or the tough times or the obstacles or the execution. They just don't want to do it. They want that overnight success and overnight success comes after 10 years, you know, <laughs> or, or shorter, but I'm saying like, you know, an overnight success is not overnight. So exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, yeah, well, if you listen to everybody else, you just wouldn't do anything. Exactly. And you know, it's like, look, you may, you may start some, you, you may want to be an entrepreneur and, and then you, you start and then you try it and it turns out you suck and that's okay too. Um, but also it's like, you know, if, if Michael Jordan ever picked up a basketball or Conor McGregor never put boxing gloves on yeah. and, and started kicking a bag, like they would never know that they would be great at those sports. Absolutely. And, and the same could be said for entrepreneurship. Like you don't know until you just do it and then see what happens. And, you know, if, if there are the naysayers and, and the whatever and people are like, oh, well, you know, but you know, the crowded market, all the stuff you're saying, it's like, yeah, but you know what? A fuck you. <laughs> a fuck yourself. I don't care what you have to say. Um, yep, because, yep. yeah, oh, oh, you're going to need $20 million to do that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I'll figure it out. Exactly. Oh, it's a crowded market. Sweet. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Oh, you know, there's, there's already a dominant player. Awesome. Yeah. Good. It's somebody to take down. Exactly. You know, it's yeah. like, it's, it, it's, it's, you have to be able to take those seemingly negative factors and be able to turn them into something that motivates you to put it, put that chip on your shoulder and just keep going forward. 
hundred percent, hundred percent. That's why it's exciting that you, like yourself is like sharing that story and talking about that more because it's not everyone thinks that way. It's yeah. not, it's not natural for a lot of people. So it's true. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. it's true. And you know, it's like, you're going to have doubters. You just, yeah. you just and anything are. that you do and you know, just walking out the house with what you're wearing, you'll yeah. have doubters like, right. Hating on your style. So, I mean, it does <laughs> not matter how you cut your hair. Like it just, that's the world we live in. So yeah, well, I have a dumb haircut and I know that, uh, <laughs> it probably happens to me all the time. No one really says shit in public probably as wisely, but, um, yeah, <laughs> that's probably one of those things too. No, it brings your character. <laughs> yeah, it, it is true. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of people that doubt you at every stage of no matter what what you're doing and i'll tell you what even this podcast even by virtue of me starting a podcast which um which like i i'd love to to do this i think i think it's just fun for me to, to yeah. chat with people like you and, and talk about interesting stuff um there will be people guaranteed that are gonna hate it they won't even listen to a second probably the entire thing but they'll hate on it just because that's how people are yeah, just, you know, that's true. But yeah. th- that means you're doing something right. That's yeah. how I see it. It's that means true. Something, you're doing something right. And I don't know who's going to hate on your show. Like, yeah. this is a long time coming. I think this is awesome. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just excited to be on it, to be here talking to you with our Game of Thrones um, <laughs> uh, cloth behind us. I feel like I'm very much, very much in the show. Yeah. Are you, uh, are you Daenerys right now? Are you Cersei? How are you feeling? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Daenerys always. But Daenerys I, always. <laughs> but I, I actually... I'm not a, a avid Game of Thrones watcher. I have to admit, I missed every single season except for this last one. I just decided to jump on the bandwagon. That's fine. And I, I've heard from from fans that this is the worst season, and there's they're completely upset with it. But for me, I was like, oh, it was exciting to me. Right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for someone who hasn't watched it before, it's like this is fucking awesome. <laughs> Dragons, pretty much. Yeah. Giants, exactly. <laughs> wolves, exactly. I might go back and watch the seasons. I don't watch enough enough shows or tv so that's the problem but uh it's definitely exciting and i feel like i'm there now from being here so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have a bunch of uh icelandic uh sheepskins all over yeah. the place in my uh it's <laughs> wild it's awesome here, so. <laughs> yeah well um i couldn't think of a, a, a better way to end it but um you know why don't you uh plug a couple of things to me beverages yeah where can you get them uh how can you buy them they're one of the most delicious turmeric drinks actually the most delicious turmeric drink i mean it it just like it's not even a question like it just is um but yeah tell people where they can find them yeah i'm I'm just gonna point everyone to our website and to social media because that's that's the best way to connect with us and and really hear from us directly as a brand so it's uh drink to me.com and it's t-u-m-e uh to me water is the brand and you can also find us on all social media instagram is is a way to go where you can shop on there as well and um, coming to a store near you whole foods is one of our key accounts as well as on amazon so you'll start to see it more and more and uh, but right now connect with us on our website for sure awesome and what is your instagram handle mine is z and my first name shana so s-h-a-i-n-a and our to me instagram is to me water so boom we did it yeah we did it for sure thanks so much thank you awesome Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Shayna. Thank you to Toomey. And thank you to Bar Nana. And thank you to you. Please subscribe and review the podcast. Share it with your friends. I would appreciate it a million times over. And until next time, I'll chat at you then. Peace. <laughs>